Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 61 of The Revenge of Kang. Today's page contains two complete chapters, which gives you some sense of how important and exciting these events are. These are not centerpiece scenes. These are finger bowls, but they do give us a chance to get to know this new world that we've been plunged into. You'll recall that our heroes, after taking down Kang at the wedding of Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Girl, followed Kang. They found some info in an android Kang's timeship that led them into another dimension, a dimension where they and all of the super folk that they know are mere comic book characters, and where they particularly are the protagonists of a comic book series written by a real sad sack named Marty Jenkins, whom we met yesterday. When our heroes materialized in what is meant to be basically the real world, a world without superheroes, uh, they saved Marty Jenkins from a liquor store robbery. Uh, Marty recognized them as the heroes that he writes about in comic books. Uh, Due to his extremely tenuous mental state, he basically was fine with this, and he invited the heroes to come and uh, sleep on his couch so they could maybe come into Marvel Comics where he works the next day and see if they can find any clues. Because at this point, all our heroes know is that there's a Kang about somewhere and he's up to something. It's not mentioned in the text, but as you can imagine, finding out that your whole personality and in many cases, tragic life story is a fiction created by such characters of low tragedy as the curly mulleted Marty Jenkins. Uh, it would be a, it would be a difficult experience. This would be an existential crisis. This world our heroes have discovered is quite a downgrade from the good old 616, but that doesn't mean it's all bad, as we will soon see. First off, in chapter 35, The House of Ideas, our heroes visit the offices of Marvel Comics. Quote, Marty shows you into the offices of Marvel Comics, Inc. Inside, you see teams of artists, writers, inkers, letterers, and colorists busily preparing the next month's books. As Marty arrives, his editor, a man named O'Malley, shouts, Marty, I put the proofs for time and space number three in the bottom drawer of the filing cabinet in my office. It goes to the printers at 4 p.m. Hey, Marty, here's some exposition for you for later. Mostly, this is just a role-playing scene for fun where the heroes get to interact with all the various people in the Marvel office. No real names are named here, but I think, obviously, all of these names, all of these things would be changed in actual play. I mean, for as much as I gave him some shit yesterday, I don't think you're really going to use Marty Jenkins, especially if you're playing established heroes. If you're playing original characters, maybe. But if you're playing established heroes, the obvious move for the judge would be to replace Marty with whoever's actually writing a series featuring these characters at the time you're playing the game. Replace O'Malley with a real editor at Marvel. None of that is in the book, but it's just such an obvious idea. I, I can't imagine that the author didn't have it in mind. And that would explain why there's basically nothing here. Like, for as much as this is a cool idea to have the characters go to another dimension and actually visit the Marvel offices, and this is something that's been done in Marvel Comics too, so it's both meta and in keeping with the source material to have superheroes visit Marvel and talk about their comic books. For that to be presented and then to have virtually no characters or ideas provided, I think the clear implication is that the judge will bust out some real-life references that the author probably could not have safely made. Anyway, it says that Marty introduces the superheroes as his cousins to everybody at the Marvel offices. 
Once again, the author chooses to pretend that all of the heroes we're playing look like they could plausibly be real human beings, uh, which is even less true here in Earth Prime or whatever than in the 616, but fair enough. The only really load-bearing thing in this scene is, quote, Shortly after the heroes enter the offices, a copyboy enters and announces, Anybody want to see a newspaper? If the heroes answer in the affirmative, the copyboy gives them a paper. The headline reads, quote, Top scientist missing. And the lead story goes on to discuss how Rolf Kleinberg, an expert on so-called, quote, extra-dimensional physics, has recently turned up missing. Kleinberg is famous, the paper notes, for his theories on the nature of reality. He was last seen at his penthouse apartment in Manhattan. The address is given. And he goes on to say that uh, between Rolf Kleinberg's name having come up in the notes that we found in Kang's ship before, and Kleinberg being involved in extra-dimensional this, and nature of reality that, it should be clear to the players that the next place we're supposed to go is this Manhattan penthouse that we conveniently have an address for. And that leads us right on to chapter 36, Kleinberg's penthouse. When we visit the address in the paper, we get the following box text, quote, Kleinberg lived in an exclusive high-rise located in midtown Manhattan. According to the placards located in the lobby, Kleinberg's penthouse was located on the 30th floor. Uh, there's a cop posted at the penthouse door who we can distract, KO, sneak past, whatever we need to do. There's a plus 10 karma bonus for not harming him, which is insufficient. I am not moved by a 10 karma reward. At this late stage, I don't know if any of you have ever played the old Sega Genesis Spider-Man video game, but the continue screen in that game is Spider-Man is pacing around inside a jail cell, and if you choose to continue, then he busts out punches out a cop who's guarding him, and flees. That continue screen gave me an early taste for the joy and the thrill of being a superhero and punching out a cop. If you want me to give that up, you're going to have to sweeten the pot. Ten karma, forget it. But regardless of whether you share my predilections or not, somehow you're going to get past this cop, and then you're going to get into the penthouse. Quote, The inside of Kleinberg's penthouse is exactly what you would expect from a famous scientist. Rich, lush, and lavish. Spread out all over Kleinberg's desk is a pile of notes on his latest project, of course, I don't know how this adventure would even work if you tried to like apply the sliding time scale and run it in the 21st century, because our hero's progress through this labyrinth of Kang's master plan is absolutely contingent on everybody doing their work on a series of like pieces of paper just spread out all over every surface in their home. As soon as there is such a thing as Microsoft Word, this plot becomes untenable. But anyway, we're not there yet. It's 1990. So famous scientist Rolf Kleinberg has his complicated theories, or at least summary versions of them, handwritten, I guess, on pieces of paper spread out over his desk. And so we're able to read, quote, The notes describe Kleinberg's new theory, which states there are an infinite number of possible realities. The notes also describe the relationship between these realities. If a chain of synchronicity or an overlapping of events can be set up, two of the realities can be bound together and their destinies intertwined, as long as energy waves of the proper frequency were being broadcasted into the temporal vortex in order to stabilize the connection. The frequency is also provided. And at this point, we're supposed to get the idea, two realities, why? That reminds me of the two realities that we've been operating in. And it says something here about a frequency. Anytime a number is given on a loose piece of paper that we happen to find somewhere, that's the clue. Let's go look for this frequency. And that's going to take us into tomorrow. But let's not pass up the silver lining about this world without heroes that we found ourselves in. Maybe there are no superheroes. Uh, maybe Marty Jenkins is not exactly the resplendent demiurge that one would hope to find as the divine craftsman of one's reality. But goddamn if this reality does not have a strong showing in the famous scientist department with Rolf Kleinberg. You do have to pick up the cues from the text, because it's easy to write off Rolf Kleinberg as just some guy, just another throwaway top scientist in a comic book story. 
But a lot of this information about Kleinberg, it's not about him being good at physics. It's about his astounding success and prominence, as evidenced by his exclusive Midtown Manhattan penthouse. Like when the text says, oh, his home is just what you would expect from a successful scientist. An exclusive 30th story penthouse in Midtown Manhattan, opulently furnished. Like, is this what the author thinks that a physicist's life is like? Because this is highly exceptional. I regret that I was not able to find really solid information about the property values and the sort of intangible status value of Midtown Manhattan penthouses in the year 1990, vis-a-vis the top end of the pay range for physicists working in non-medical fields in 1990. But I was able to find that sort of information for the modern day. So we can project backward a little bit and see sort of like what tier of physics success Rolf Kleinberg is at. Uh, the top paid professor in the sciences outside of medicine, the top paid physicist in the United States until his death actually last year, was Steven Weinberg. Uh, he made $536,000 a year, according to the source that I found. That's very high. That's more than double what is otherwise the top end of income for a theoretical physicist in academia. Obviously, a guy like this, this isn't going to be his only source of family income. He's going to have investments and so on. But just to ballpark it, if we want to spot this generic top-level theoretical physicist an extra $160,000 a year, we're in the range of like an overall household income of $700,000 a year. Once I had that figure, it was a simple matter to turn to an online uh, mortgage advice calculator and see what kind of mortgage would be wise for someone with that kind of income. At the income of $700,000 a year, getting a mortgage on a $5 million property would be doable, but a very daring very overextended move. According to the source that I looked at, probably like a $6 million property would be out of reach. Probably you would not be able to muster the resources to secure and then pay the mortgage on a $6 million property. And coincidentally, $6 million is just about the average asking price of a Manhattan penthouse today in 2022. Now, all of these figures, again, very rough. We're talking about 1990, which was a strange time, compared to 2021 slash 2022, which is a very strange time, but accounting for the fact that things are not normal right now and never will be again, in terms of tiers of wealth, even the best paid theoretical physicist in the United States would really have to bargain hunt and greatly overextend himself to score a Manhattan penthouse of the kind described in this chapter and described here as like, of course, Rolf Kleinberg has this. When you combine that with the fact that the top story in a New York newspaper, apparently days after the fact, is that top scientist Rolf Kleinberg is missing, like of all the things happening in New York City and the world, the headline is, nobody can find Rolf Kleinberg. To me, that indicates this is not a Stephen Weinberg. This is a Stephen Hawking. This is a celebrity scientist. And no wonder, because his theories are so fun. You know, not to cast any shade on Stephen Hawking here. His contribution to science, it's fun by science standards. His contributions to physics in themselves are not the stuff of compelling late night television. If I think about what we've got today in terms of like celebrity scientists, it isn't as much about the theories. Uh, they're succeeding without the benefit of theories that are in themselves highly compelling for a popular audience. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, probably the most well-known public scientist. And, you know, talking about fallen worlds without heroes, what the fuck are we doing out here with Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is just a killjoy? I mean, from time to time, he'll tell us that things are really incredible, or he'll talk up other scientists. But if you look at Neil deGrasse Tyson's Twitter, which obviously is, you know, 
everyone's worst side is the side that they show on Twitter. But like just this past Christmas, there's this whole debacle with Neil deGrasse Tyson tweeting out like, hey, sorry to ruin Christmas for everyone, but if someone moved as fast as Santa Claus is supposed to, then these forces and those pressures would reduce him to pulp. And later this year, I'm going to be presenting to the International Science Festival my theory that Santa doesn't even really exist. So fuck you. Merry Christmas, everybody. And he's a man of his times because when I think of uh, the state of the world and the appropriate Christmas imagery thereof, sure, I think of Santa Claus being slowly crushed by G-Force, but I don't need Neil deGrasse Tyson telling me this. I don't, I don't need this amplification of my inner voice. What I need, what we all need, is a Rolf Kleinberg, like they have in this superior world without heroes that we see in the module. Rolf Kleinberg's theory is that not only are there an infinite number of alternate universes, not only is every conceivable universe real, but also he's specifically working on the frequency of energy that you would need to send out into something he calls the time vortex in order to synchronize our reality with a fictional world from comic books. This is a much more optimistic vision. Rolf Kleinberg in the 21st century would not be on Twitter saying Santa Claus isn't real. He would be on Twitter saying, hey, did you know, scientifically speaking, Santa Claus is real. In some reality, Santa Claus is real. And furthermore, there's a reality where he's your dad. Merry Christmas, everyone. Rolf Kleinberg is, is the hero that we need in these dark times. And I'm glad that he has been outrageously rewarded by his world, despite the fact that it's the dumbest thing on this page. For his achievements in attempting to metaphysically link reality with comic book continuity, he has been rewarded with a level of wealth and notoriety pretty well outside the reach of real-world physicists, and rightly so. Although I hasten to add that um, from our privileged position of knowledge about how this shit works out, like, please, any enterprising physicists in the audience, do not link our reality to a comic book reality. It does. It's not a good idea. This is how you get Marvel zombies. Don't do it. Anyway, it should be perfectly obvious to you by now why, for so many reasons, we've got to go find this guy, Rolf Kleinberg. Our only lead is this frequency that needs to be beamed into the time vortex to synchronize realities or whatever. So we're going to go look for energy at that frequency. That should lead us to Kleinberg and hopefully to one last Kang. Join me next time for that in the penultimate chapter of this adventure series on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big Megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband. <laughs>